In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is Proverbs 24, verses 28 and 29. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay back the man for what he has done. This is our text. Harry Wong, the great teacher and author of The First Days of School, says that your job as a teacher is to put the students to work as soon as they get to school and keep them busy until the bell rings at the end of the day. For idle hands are the devil's tools. And this is because people need purpose. We need something to do. If we have nothing good to do, we will find something wicked to do. Like those bored children who throw paper wads or stir up fights. And you and I have known people, adults, who had nothing better to do than to stir the pot, rile others up, and then stand back and watch what ensues. Our text today speaks to the temptations that come to an empty life. A life without compelling purpose. Consider again our text. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. And do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. You recall the golden rule of Christ. In all things do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Today's central idea is to avoid the converse of the golden rule. Therefore, do not unto others as they have done to you. Our Old Testament reading, how Joseph forgave his brothers, is a prime example. He did not do unto his brothers. He did not indulge in payback. Like Joseph. We can do what the proverb states. So let's meditate on its two central ideas. In the first place, if we are not to do unto others as they have done unto you, it means we have to resist what comes natural. You know, in the physical world, there's a law. Newton formulated it. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And we can act like rocks sometimes. When someone hits us, we want to hit them back. When someone hurts us, we want to hurt them back. And this leads to a recurring cycle of revenge. People caught up in feuds and vendettas, never forgetting wrongs. Often this leads to the annihilation of a family or a tribe or a whole nation. We are acting like rocks or dirt when we respond in this unthinking way. Both as human beings and especially as those who have been called by God should avoid this demeaning behavior. But it's not easy. We have to resist what comes natural and respond with what is supernatural, with what is spiritual. 
As difficult as it may be to accept, injury is an opportunity to do good. Injury is opportunity to return good for evil and be an imitator of Christ. Now what is that good that we can do? It depends on the circumstance. If you can, curb the evil to prevent harm to others. So you stop the thief, not because you want revenge or payback, but to protect others in your community. And it is your duty to cooperate with law enforcement agencies to protect the community even if you expose yourself to some danger. That's part of what you owe to your community, what you owe under the laws of God. Or, if you can, you can teach, correct, change the evildoer. That's the joy of those of us who have been teachers and work with children, the joy of us who are parents and rear children. When we catch them doing something wrong, the idea is not to revenge or punish, but rather to correct, to teach, to change, so that they may understand the way that is right. And there are many tools that can be used. It might include corporal punishment, but much more praise, support, modeling, positive teaching not just the reliance on one negative, hurtful approach. And hardest of all, when injury occurs, is to forgive, to reconcile, to make peace. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ has done when he was injured. He did not curse, he blessed instead, he forgave those who harmed him. More than this, he gave his life to reconcile us to God and to one another. There's an interesting episode in Luke's account of Jesus' crucifixion, how Pilate had sent him to Herod, and Herod sent him back to Pilate, and Luke observes, from that day forward they were friends, for before this they had been enemies. The Prince of Peace made peace even among his enemies. In addition to resisting what comes natural when injury occurs, we are exhorted in this text to examine our own heart. Now consider people alien, the stranger, folks we don't understand, people alien to us, suspect us, and we return the favor. There is mistrust between language groups, racial groups, social class, economic class groups, even generations and genders in the same household. There can be alienation between us, for we have different values, different perceptions, different understandings. That's what makes it hard to talk. And the, the counterintuitive fact is that the longer a couple is married, the harder it is for them to talk and communicate. 
Men and women are different, and they experience things in different ways. And the more estranged they can become without focused attention, listening, and valuing one another. You see, what we hold in common, we can trust. If I know someone has done the same kind of work I have done, then he knows what I'm talking about. If with another person I've shared the experience of rearing children, then we have some common ground to talk about. But if we have nothing in common, it's very difficult to talk. Often we fear that others who we don't understand may use our secrets against us. This happens even in families. I recall my own experience. I was frustrated with a situation at school and I shared my frustration with my mother and she immediately took it to heart and called the teacher and called the other family and embarrassed me thoroughly. I learned never to share anything with my mother thereafter. On the other hand, my father would only intervene if I asked him to. And so I could talk to him about how to handle certain situations. We fear that others may use our secrets against us. And this breeds mistrust. It breeds dishonesty. Others know that we are not forthright or sincere or open and honest, and so they hold back. And this breeds further mistrust. Our text says, do not bring a witness without a cause. And by cause, it's talking about the truth. The truth needed to enforce justice. That man looks like the sort of person who might beat his children. And you may see his child crying on the stoop one day. But to report him to the Department of Family Services without additional evidence, without having seen something or having a testimony, is to make up a lie. It is to project our feelings onto the situation. That's what's so dangerous. That's why the, the Solomon says, do not deceive with your lips, for we often feel something to be true, and this leads us to make up stories or to see things in the worst possible way. And inside we know others regard us in the same way. That's why so many people are, are overly concerned about appearances and what the neighbors will think. Because the guilt-ridden person thinks that everyone sees him. You can't walk out of your apartment without someone staring at you and you think, they know my account is overdrawn. The guilty flee when no man pursues. And the key is given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ in a verse just beyond what was part of today's gospel. For in Luke 6, verse 45, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord says, Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So a heart that is filled with evil will speak evil concerning others. But the heart that is filled with good will speak what is good, right, and praiseworthy. 
And this confronts us with the question, so what fills your heart? So often our hearts are filled with anger, with fear, with insecurity, with hate, with resentment, with envy. Truly, there is nothing but sin and death in our hearts. We need the Spirit of God in our hearts, the Spirit who gives the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what is so hard in our own culture, self-control. To restrain our thoughts and our words so that we do not bear false witness against our neighbor projecting our own issues onto them. And in this piece of wisdom, as in all the other Proverbs, our Lord Jesus Christ is our model, for He is wisdom personified. His heart overflowed with healing, forgiveness, and peace. And He responded to the greatest human evil, those who tried to put him to death and misrepresent his mission, he responded to them with forgiveness, atonement, and the invitation to a new life. Christ dwells within you who are believers. Let your heart overflow with the fruits of the Spirit, with forgiveness, with love, with new life, lived according to God's prompting. And in this you'll be blessed, and you'll be a blessing to others. Your life will no longer be empty, and you'll be delivered from the various temptations to put other things in its place. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.